Good evening, social media. Thank you for joining us uh, again. Say Happy New Year to you. We haven't seen y'all since last year, but we're back and we're going to continue. Um, we let, Last year we left off talking about how to love difficult people and this is going to be the last lesson for that. We'll start something new next week. Um, just kind of we'll do a recap and um, last year we talked about how to love difficult people. We talked about love is the, really the main thing that we need to focus on. The main thing. And um, we talked about how one of the lessons was, the question was, it's just too hard. And we realized, okay, if it's not um, the Holy Spirit um, helping you do it, it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too hard. So, but I want to kind of, I want to start off with the title of this lesson rather tonight is Love Works One Step at a Time. Okay, Love Works One Step at a Time. But before we get into that, I want to kind of ask this question because I came across this question studying my Bible scholars in here. So I want y'all to kind of help those who who may be listening because this is something that I think I'm going to ask the question, then I'm going to read something first because I think this is a teaching that's out there. And I want to see what y'all think about it. So here's the question. Uh, does God put difficult people in our lives? Okay. Now, before you answer, here's what, here's what I read. This person said, difficult people are God's grindstone in our lives. No, I don't think so. I think difficult people are everywhere. God doesn't have to put them anywhere. Okay. No, I think the devil helps you run into them. I think the word, the word is the grindstone, and I think the word, the word is what what grinds you and teaches you. Okay. Yeah, that would be like God is causing pain on you or something, and we're all hurting, and there's difficult people. And we've all had like bad bosses yeah. and bad neighbors yeah. and stuff, and they're just all over. Yeah, we've had people in our lives who had hurts and pains, and they're angry and upset because of where they've been, and God wants us to. Help each other, so that would that's weird. Yeah, I'll, I'll where could you go to escape difficult people? Yeah. Okay. To an island, yeah, deserted island, yourself, right? Yeah. And then you got to deal with yourself, difficult person. Yeah, you'd be like you know, Tom, Tom Hanks, and Wilson. <laughs> yeah, you go there with Wilson, you know, that's true. Uh, they're on, you got to with Wilson, yeah. <laughs> Because really, there are people out there think, you know, God puts difficult people in your lives. And like it's he says, yeah, to sharpen you up, to prepare you for something. Like he said, um, you know, well, God gave me a difficult boss or this difficult spouse or this difficult child because he's trying to prepare me and he's trying to help me and, you know, grow and mature. And, you know, that's a, I think that's a strong teaching in the body of Christ, you know, to say, hey, you know, God, do these things in order to help us perfect us. I'm just saying he doesn't need to do it because those people are everywhere. And, and, and he'll and, use them. Right. If we'll, if we'll yield to it, he'll use them to bring, to shape our character. And a lot of them are being used by the devil. But he doesn't. I can't see God putting, and, and putting that person in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like his, 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 Let's see how much there's things that can happen to us that God didn't cause, but He can use those mm -hmm. situations to uh, to show us things. But he, and what is it? He causes all things to work together for good. Yeah. I've had bosses that were so bad, and it turned out they're drug addicts and stuff. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. wasn't God?
fallen people. Nasty people. They fallen got, world. Got hooked into stuff. Yeah, sometimes it can be. But kind of, you know, to reinforce what y'all are saying, let's let's go to um Second Timothy, um chapter three, verse sixteen. Because I know, and when I read this many years, but now when I look at it, okay, it tells us what God uses to, you know, perfect us and grow us. And I'm going to read it from the um, New Living Translation. Second Timothy, where? Second chapter three. Verse 16. 16. That's the scripture that answers. Yeah. Yep. And it says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God used it to prepare us and equip his people to do every good work. So in the last part, 17, he said God uses the word to prepare and equip us, his people, to do every good work. So the word equips you. The King James says for, for reproof or correction. For correction, right. Right. So the word is used to prepare you and equip you, not right. problems. Now, here's the question. Can he use those things? Of course. He can you use, know, he, he can use economy. Right. He can use them. And he will use them, you know, if, if necessary. But that's not the way he wants but, uh, he's to do it. Put, you know, some demon yeah. possessed crazy man in your life to teach you something. It's, it's the word that teaches you. You know, I had a mom knows this. I have a former coworker that I see once in a while. And I've been like, Sometimes I've like stood around corner or stepped or hit around corners to not have to deal with her when I'm sitting in like the grocery mm -hmm. store or places. I frequent sometimes where she presently works. And you know, I tell mom, like, mom, if I see her, and, and, and I'll say it this way, like, she pumps you, she gossips a lot. And I mean, she'll talk about whatever, you know, that one of those type of people. And I literally sometimes <clears throat> have wanted to say like really rude stuff, not like bad, you know what I mean, just to go like, this is this, this is this, is it satisfying? You know, like, it, it is so bad. That's a bad way to think of it. But I go, you know, last time I saw her, she hugged me, actually. And I already know, I'm like, I know why she does it. She's got a very, she's left a really rough life, you know? And it's like, that's her way of, you know, it, it's not good. I'm just saying, like, she's hurting and she's doing stupid stuff, right? Like, gossiping. And here it is. She broke up with a boyfriend she had years ago. I knew about it. She talked about it. She still mentioned him in the conversation. I go, she's still... So hurt over that. I go, mm -hmm. oh my god, you know. And I even had another form of um, mutual co-worker we had at the time. One time I was like, kind of sharing with her. One time she goes, Julie, you gotta understand. I'll say Cindy. I'll make a, a name up. Okay. I mean, at least Cindy is as miserable as blank. I mean, she was a customer. She goes, she is not happy with her life. You know. And there it, it is. I go. And then it kind of made me look at her and go, okay. And it ain't good. It doesn't justify it. We don't need to be gossiping about people. That's wrong. But I go. I'm sorry, she's still in pain, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just an you know, example there. Yeah, but this statement kind of falls like under that sovereignty doctrine. Yeah, yeah. That's yes. what it falls upon it. People, yeah. you know, like, okay, yeah, because I was releasing, looking at something, somebody, and, um, you know, they was they said they believe in the sovereignty sovereign of God, and they their definition of sovereignty was, you know, whatever God, he, the, he whatever God, does he either he creates it or he allows it? 
And, you know, so and he went through this whole thing about um, in his life, he didn't have a father. And so he said, that's what God wanted for him. And so, therefore, you know, that's what he did. You know, and it, the way he explained it, you know, it, it was just all messed up. And but his he was talking about how um, we all struggle with God. Well, I can see how you struggle with God if you have that type of thinking. Mm-hmm. Because I'll be honest, I look back in my life. Okay, I said, yeah, okay. I'm not gonna say I struggled like he did, but I can see I struggled with some things that God understanding God because you know things he allowed in my life or things that I experienced that I didn't call and people get crazy and they'll say they'll say God killed my father or my mother right or he, he had this car accident where these two kids right. died it was God that did that and you want to say what how's that I've come to you might have life and have it more abundantly and your original statement was parallel with God made me sick to teach me something yeah. right the same thing right but this scripture says all scripture is given for to teach and right. all right. correction so and proof. All good things come from the Father of life. Yeah, and the thing about that is like when, when you you look at problems and issues, right? Now, even if we if we acknowledge the, the reality that problems can push us to grow. Right. The issue, the thing is, is we still we don't give glory or credit to the problem for mm. that, that that growth is the word that does that. Right. Because if we don't exercise the word in the midst and stand yeah, good, the word yeah. in the midst of the trial and the, the trouble, then the trouble will do what? It's going to defeat us. Mm-hmm. It's going to crush us. Yeah. So the, the credit goes to the word and not the trouble. And I think that's what. We kind of it gets convoluted when we talk about growth and and our experiences leading to growth. It's not it's not the trouble that's that's feeding us. It's God's word, and resting in that is what produces the growth. You think about it. If it were trials that caused us to grow, every person in the world would be a spiritual giant. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Everybody, it's, it's not the problems. But I like what you said because, yeah, because we think about we, if you, you don't apply the word in the midst of that problem, you're still not going to see no growth. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to, you know, be triumph. So you're right. It's not. But yeah, we see people give glory to the problem that they say, well, if I hadn't went through this, then I wouldn't be. No, it wasn't what you went. It was. If you apply the word to your situation, then that's what allowed you to have the victory, not the problem itself. And I can't think of that preacher's name. Someone told to me, and I asked him, you said, oh, I've seen him on TV. He went so far as to say, so we can summarize by saying the devil is, God is, God is the devil's employer. Oh yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? There's a famous preacher on TV, and that's what he said. I've heard the devil works for God. I've heard famous preachers say dumber things than that. Yeah, I'd rather you know I'm gonna say this. I'd rather be an atheist. I'd rather burn in hell than be with that. I'm sorry, I would. You don't have to, but I'm just saying that is crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you see this thing manifesting in your room at night, glowing red, red eyes, smell stink of sulfur? And say hi, God sent me. <laughs> yes. Can you imagine that? There you go. 
Yeah. You say, wait a minute. Something yeah. don't work here. I'm on the payroll right now. <laughs> yeah. Just came to, to bring a blessing to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I'm going to cause you a lot of pain first. In destruction. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go to another scripture. And this is a reference to difficult people. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, where we talk about difficult people, how to love them. Um, and that this scripture I'm about to read, it gets misinterpreted. As a matter of fact, I need to find I'm going to read it. <laughs> um, 12, chapter 12, verse 14. I'm gonna read it from the King James, cause you know this is how people get it messed up. Um, twelve Hebrews chapter twelve verse fourteen says, um, "Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man will see the Lord." Now I've heard that interpret that. Okay. Oh yeah. If you ain't holy, or you don't live holy. Uh, and when they say that, they're talking about the behavior. You won't see the Lord. Which means you go you gonna go you going to hell. My first question would be, what's your definition of holy? Right. That'd be my first question. Mm-hmm. But see, the people's definition of holiness, they're talking about the behavior. Mm-hmm. They're Some talking about if you wear nail polish, you're going to hell. If right. you wear jewelry, you're going to hell. But I'm saying I've heard people, I remember if I heard somebody say the other day, they quote the scriptures like, you know, and they was talking about somebody's behavior. And they say, well, the scripture said, without holiness, no man see the Lord. Okay, and it's misinterpreted. But I think you need to go back a few verses. Let's go back to verse 12 and read the whole thing. And I'm going to read it from the uh, NLT. It says, wherefore, lift up holy hands. <coughs> Matter of fact, let's go back a little further. Uh, let's see how far we're going to go back. Let's go back to 9. It says, furthermore, we have had of our flesh which corrects us and we we gave them reverence shall, shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live for they verily for a few days chastise us after our own pleasure but he for our for our for, for he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness now no chastising for the present seems to be joy for us, to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it, it yields a peaceful fruit, peaceful fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Then 12 says, Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees that make straight path your feet, lest that which is lame be turned away, way, uh, turned out, of the way, but let it rather be healed. Then it goes on to say, follow me with all peace and holiness without which no man will see the Lord. So you have to understand the context of what he was talking about. I'm going to read it from the um, New Living Translation. Because it goes back and talk about, it's talking about discipline. It's talking about, you go back and read that whole chapter, it's talking about um, God's discipline. It says here, the subtitle for, then it says, God's discipline for his, for his love. Okay, he's talking about discipline. He's not talking about, this is not a heaven or hell 
scripture. Okay, so what I'm saying, we, and I had to learn, you can't just go and pull scriptures out without context. And so it says here, I'm just going to read the um, 14. It says, work at living with peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to read Andrew's commentary. I'm going to see how he and this is how he explained. It says, Hebrews 12 and 13, 12 and 13, it says, instruct us not to walk in a manner that will cause others to stumble. See, this is what it's saying. Therefore, I believe this verse isn't talking about us seeing God, but rather that if we do not act in a holy manner, no one will see God in our lives. Yeah. Wow. Right. So that's what it's talking about. In, in you. Right, in you. Right, in you. Good, good point. So God, so he's saying if we don't walk, so we can become a difficult people, if they don't see God, okay, yeah, they're not going to see the holiness in our lives. Yes. It's not saying you ain't going to see God if you don't, yeah. you don't act holy. Yeah. That's what it's saying. So yeah, I'm saying context yeah. context yeah. Is, is key here. You got to get the context of it. You just can't pull it out and say, okay, hey, because, you know, okay, say you know what a difficult person deal with and yeah i cuss them out get on my nerves and you know hey and then don't apologize for it and you're the only bible that person may ever read right and jesus had the dirty dozen with him here on earth and they're all going to heaven you know <laughs> but i'm saying that's not going to keep me out of heaven it's because of that act but it's saying if I want to reach that person, like you said, if they they are the only Christian person they're gonna see, I'm the God. Then I need to be, you know, walk in peace with them, you know, and live a whole life for them. Because without no one can see the Lord. No one will be able to see the Lord in me or see a life of holiness if I'm acting out like they're acting. So that's what that scripture means. But I said once again, we we pull it out of context and it gets misinterpreted, and then now you're promoting fear because they say, "Oh, man, if I don't get this right, then you know what I'm going to hell." So it's got a grade on the curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because that that line that lines up with what the Lord said about us, and where He says that they will know you. By the love that you have, one mm -hmm. another, right, right. So that that just goes in concert with what Paul is is, is saying here, you know. And, and again, it just goes back to what you were saying about context, right? Because if you, I mean, I can you can pull anything and make it say what you want to say, but the context is what provides provides the true intent of the word. It's true. You have to read something correctly, and I thought even in general. It's really weird saying this part because um the word because I was um it's not to do with the Bible but it's the idea of making sure you read something correctly and you have the correct way of reading it because mom and I were in the mall the other day and I had went by with this like calendar kiosk you know and whatever caught my attention it was grammatical correctness or something was being stupid and it was like different a different sent I mean the same sentence but they put the comma in a different place and <laughs> each month was something dumb but it was like. It was a totally different thing if you put the comma in a different place. And I go, wow, you know, it's kind of like maybe think with this. I go, 
I heard a guy who was in Bible school and he had to preach for the first time. And he had wrote the sermon and the, the title of the sermon was Hell, No, We Won't Go. He got so nervous, he got in front of everybody and he goes, Hell no, we won't go. <laughs> <laughs> so he put it in context. <laughs> Because the interview you said, because I know people always talk about, you know, you know, holiness and you got to live holy and live right. And they talk about your behavior and, you know, and, and, you know, and they say, well, you know, this is what the Bible says, what the Bible says when it comes to that particular thing. But no, I never hear any, you know, preacher, anybody. Jesus also said, and I read it the other day. He said, if your if your right hand is thin, you cut it off. I don't hear nobody preaching that. He said, if your your eye, you know, he's talking about he talking he was talking about lusting, right? He was talking about if he said if you lust, you know, he said if your right eye thin, you pluck it out. I don't hear that preached though. Now you talking about what G? That ain't, ain't that what Jesus said? Yeah, so that's probably because they don't know what it means. And I just said they don't. What want I'm saying, one eye, one arm congregation. Right, that's what I'm saying. But you yeah. don't preach that to your congregation. Now they preach all the other stuff. Yeah. You know about how this is wrong, and you're going to hell if this is wrong. But yeah, what about when Jesus said, "If you look at a woman lust," it says, "Okay, pluck you out." Mm -hmm. I don't hear that going across the pulpit. When I used to teach on the radio, and I would say, 99% of all the sins you guys commit, or sit, you sit and commit them sitting on the pew. It happens between your ears. Looking around the congregation, you all are sinning. Yeah. And when, you know, when you say that to a live crowd, everybody gets quiet. Because especially the men, the young men. Okay, I'm read from my outline. It says, it's talking about, we're talking about love works one step at a time. Okay, so, but it says, in the process of our request to learn more about love, uh, we want to make sure that we are not the ones who are hard to love. As I said, the truth is, the healing of a wounded soul begins with facing the truth. So if you are hard to love, it's time to own it. Ask God to heal you. Healing won't, it says healing won't come immediately because God changes us little by little. But we can celebrate any kind of progress and expect more to come. So it's saying, okay, make sure we're not the ones that's the difficult people. Make sure that, you know, you're not the one that's difficult. You know, and if you are, then you take the next step. It's talking about facing the truth and realize, okay, I'm the one. Okay, maybe I'm the problem. Because, I, you know, sometimes we, it's hard for us to look at ourselves. You know, we can see the faults in other people, but we need to kind of step back and say, okay, maybe it's me. You know, I need to do some changing. And so let's go to 1 Corinthians, because we dealt with the scripture in the beginning about the living course, you know, this love chapter. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just we're talking about, you know, love works one step at a time. So let's look at the definition of what the Bible says is love. We're going to start at verse 4. And reading this um, NLT, and it says, Love is patient. And kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. 
It does not. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoice whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So we see here, this is the definition of that. Now, I think a lot of times people read this scripture, and I know I have, and say, well, you know what? Uh, I ain't probably doing none of this stuff, or some of it. <laughs> and that's then, like what I was him. just thinking. I was thinking, I don't measure up to that. Yeah, but I like yeah. what they say here. Yeah. It says, okay, little by little, God changes us. So we should, little by little, he changes us, you know? And so we should celebrate, okay, if you make progress in one area, this Okay, you say, okay, I ain't patient. So God help me in that area. So then if you get some growth in that area, okay, celebrate it. I mean, you may have to work on the other probably 10 mm -hmm. things up in here, but, mm -hmm. but um, you know, progress. No progress, but this is how, you know, it's the only way we're going to be able to love difficult people is we have to grow in this God kind of love, which, which is the love that um, Paul explains here. That is patient, kind, it's not rude, it's not jealous, not boastful, and that you may be all those things. And then it said, you know, keep no record of wrong, doing wrong. You know, you can keep them, somebody, when you're dealing with difficult people and they hurt you, you know, um, you can have a grocery list of things. <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, I say that this is when it comes to loving difficult people, I think it's difficult. I've never experienced it, but it's probably more difficult from a, for a person who's been abused in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. mm. It can be it can be very difficult. Yeah, when you start you, thinking God is like the abuser, right? Yeah. And so, yeah, when you've been abused in some type of way, some type of maybe you know child abuse or whatever case abuse, then violation. yeah. Some type of tragedy. Was My marriage could beat us up regularly, and I, I, I thought <clears> God <throat> would too. I thought that's the way God's going to deal with people. He's going to slap them around. Because <laughs> you mm -hmm. don't know when you first get saved. Yeah, and reading this, we need to understand this is supernatural love. This is not a love that's carnal or that can be done by. This is supernatural. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he gives us the ability to love like this, um, you know, without, we we don't have the ability to love like this. That's what I was, when I was been doing it, the thing at home, with it on the wall everywhere. It's love never fails when I go. God never fails. God is love. Right. So it's God never fails because he is love. So the kind of love never fails. I could think that's, that's. That's the real love. Now, like what she said, because I know growing up, I used to hear that saying, you know, you, you, you know, God never fails. And then from a, you're looking from a common point, you say, well, okay, you know what, as you talk about, so-and-so died, or I prayed for this, and this didn't happen. And so, you know, they would look at, okay, he did fail. Mm -hmm. But she just said, okay, love never fails, so... Mm -hmm. If he is love, this type of love never fails. And we fail. We right. can't blame him for right. what we did or didn't do to cooperate in his process. 
I've had some bad things happen in my life, and none of them were God. It was all me or the devil that caused them, you know? Okay. Reading out loud again, it says, now don't make the mistake of thinking that you you can't begin loving others more because you have, you are, you're hard to love. Okay, it says, I think the more you love others, the more you will receive a harvest of healing in your own life. And if there is anything you realize you need to change your life, ask God to help you. In addition, study his word on that topic so your mind will be renewed in that area. I see, and that's the key. So you just can't say, okay, you know, God, I need help. You know, and if you pray about it, but then I love what it says here. Now you need to go find scripture and renew your mind in that area of where you are struggling with. To do the second Timothy three fourteen. There you go. Yeah. But it go hand in hand. Because I see a lot of people say, Well, you know, I pray, I pray, I pray, and that's good. Um, you pray about it, but what scriptures are you standing on? What scriptures are you meditating on? To renew your mind at what does God say about it? You know, um, I was talking to somebody, minister somebody the other day, and says, okay, you know, what, you? she was talking about her emotions, and I said, well, okay, well, you give those God, those negative emotions to God, and then find scriptures to meditate on, because if those emotions are wrong, mm-hmm. you count them by renewing your mind in that area. Is this not enough to say, okay, you know, I know, I know, I know, no. You gotta replace it with the truth. Right, with the truth. Okay, let's look at Philippians one and six. This is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. I'm going to start with verse 3. We're going to go down to 6. Reading from the NLT, it says, Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy, for you have been partners in spreading the good news about God for the time you for the time you first heard it until now and I am certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns so God who began a good work in you so it says he's going to complete it so you don't have to ever worry about him not complete. He says, I will finish it. Now, he didn't say, he didn't want you to finish. He said he's going to finish it. He started it, right? So he's going to finish it. And I'm going to read this from, um, kind of get Andrew's commentary talks about this. And he says, Paul had confidence in the Lord that, that what he had started in, in, in the Philippians, he would also continue and complete. That is not to say that the Philippians' success was automatic. Believers have to cooperate with God, with what God is wanting to do in their lives. So this ain't happening automatic. So if he said he won't complete it, man, this is not an automatic thing. 
But he said you got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Effortless change. <laughs> you got to cooperate. It said it says man's faithfulness may always be suspect, but God's faithfulness is never in question. It is always God's will to continue and complete the good work that He has begun in His children. It is always his will. So we don't have to worry about God's faithfulness. He is faithful to what he he started. He wants to complete it. Um, continue reading. It says um, the day of Jesus Christ. That's that part. It said that Paul was speaking about here is the second coming. And Paul was confident that the salvation given to them through faith in Jesus Christ would be secure until Christ's return and their physical body would be changed into his image. So that scripture is saying he's going to complete the work that he started in you. And so you don't have to worry about it. That's why when we read um, in 1 Corinthians, chapter, remember that love means never give up. Okay. Because why? If you understand that God is going to complete that work and he's going to give you the ability um, to love people, then you never give up. Okay. You never give up. And you're always striving. Uh, it goes on to say, as, as I've discussed, it says the world is filled with evils such as hatred, strife, selfishness, and bitterness. However, God says that we are to overcome evil with good. Okay. Love is the ultimate power and it has the ability to do more than we can ever imagine. So let's look at Romans 12, 12, and 12 and 21. Simmons says that you don't let evil conquer you. So when we deal with difficult people, okay, it says don't let evil conquer, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, we all agree that goes against everything in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. Yep. Everything in the flesh. Well, you mean telling me, okay, I'm supposed to conquer, somebody's treating me bad, so I'm supposed to do good to them. It goes contrary to everything, <laughs> yeah, to human nature that what you want to do. They cut you off and drive you? You want to wave at them? Oh, yeah. 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 With just that, that one finger salute? Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, but I'm saying that goes again. So this is not, you know, something that comes natural. But you overcome, it says, but conquer evil by doing good. Now, I'm going to read what Andrew, his commentary on this, right? It says, we can't fight evil with evil. And I think that's what we do. We try to fight evil. So, hey, you hurt me? I'm going to hurt you. You can't fight fire with fire. Right. You cuss me out? I'm going to cuss you out. Instead of fighting fire with water. Yeah. You hit me, what did they say? I'm going to hit you back. 
Because says evil has to be overcome with good. It is frustrating to see the schemes of this of Satan and his kingdom. However, we must never let our frustration drive us to using their tactics. And that's true. So we get frustrated. Because I mean, I'm be honest with you, when you see people, difficult people, mistreating you or mistreating somebody else, and it looks like they are getting over or they are. You know, it's like nothing's happened to him. Then you get frustrated. He's like, okay, wait a minute. And then you're not getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then we you read this scripture, me telling me what I'm supposed to do good <laughs> to them. And you know, okay, you're coming. I've had conversations, okay, God, look at what they're doing. Look at how they treated me. You mean tell me I'm supposed to do good to them? What? I have failed in that area most of my life. I'm getting good now that I'm getting old and weak. <laughs> When I was young and somebody did that. Yeah. I mean, they want. I, I was looking for a fight. I want. I didn't care if they're big or tall or small. You know, somebody got in my face. I wanted to get right back. But now I'm, I'm learning. But one thing, neat, the Lord showed me the reason I, I, I was like that. Because I asked him, "Why am I like that?" And he said, "Because of the way I was raised. Because my dad was an abuser. Right. And when someone wanted to hurt me, I wanted to hurt them first. Well, and you couldn't do back to your father." You had to restrain that. So uh, when I got older, I even offered him outside. When I was like nineteen or twenty, I I, I called him names and asked him to fight. I like what it says. Don't allow, yeah, don't allow your fussing to drive you to use the same tactics. Because mm-hmm. once again, it's human nature to want to do the same yeah, things that somebody else said to you. But it says, don't allow your frustration to. To drive you to do the same thing. Because vengeance is mine. Yeah, there you go. That's what he said. And so, so there's no real limit to this scripture. And I'm assuming, and the reason I say that is we just saw a movie, and it's a faith based movie. Some of you might have seen it, uh, Sound of Freedom, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, you have people really hurting children and uh so the same would apply to them no is that right no No. i don't think so i don't think this means i don't think this means if someone's trying to murder you murder your wife you just pretend it's not happening oh no oh no no I, i don't mean that i mean you have somebody who has done this, and so they're, you know, I mean, you know, it's, they're not in yet. It's it's over and a done deal, but they're not in a repentant state, I'll say, or they haven't been converted. So, and they're not in the act. They're not potentially in the act. But they're, I guess, in your presence. Does it supply then? I'm not quite. I said you said not in the act. What do you mean by? I'm saying. I, I think I, I think I, I, I see where he's going. Okay. Say he was. Say this individual was sitting beside Julie right now tonight. Yeah. How do we? How do we interact with this person? If you know he's raped yeah. a child, or mm-hmm. 
You break his arms and legs. <laughs> no, well, no. Then you talk to him. saying what I'm thinking. I was going to say what I was going to say wouldn't be appropriate for this table. But anyways. But see, that's an that, But see, that's that draws that out, right? Right. But that's Old Testament. Right. But the man in you, if you know a child's been hurt, yeah. and the guy's sitting right there. Right. You want to hurt and him? What did right. Jesus say about yeah. the little children? It'd be worse than a millstone be hung around his neck. And that's you hurt my little children. But I don't. I don't know if you know. I, I can't become and say, okay, we just act on act on them. But that scripture does say we have to do good. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying you gotta, but to actually just act on them and do something hard, harsh to them. And that, see, and that, and that, that's a you know, and Kevin is bringing out a real, real, yeah, point yeah, because because at the end of the day. <laughs> We still we're still categorizing their sin greater than ours for us to, to feel that way. So I wasn't doing that. I was just thinking about protecting other kids. Yeah. I wouldn't think I wasn't even thinking about. But the thing, but, but, but for me, but, but for uh, for me to have that reaction in the moment, and I'm knowing he's not doing that right now. He's sitting in Bible stuff. Right. Right. So that's that that's that's a challenge. It challenges us. To look at him in spite of the sin, to still treat yeah. him with a certain amount. Oh, I thought he said the person moment. wasn't repentant. So I'm not well, thinking they would be in a Bible study. Well, I mean, I guess still had that issue in their life. Well, I think love would get him out of society. Yeah, you love, love others. You love the children love enough. Love the children enough to lock him up. I think of something. This is something I thought of a long time ago, and I won't, you know, get anybody here in a debate if you know, like capital, capital punishment is supposed to be godly or not, because that was a big issue in the church setting sometimes. But however, we'll just pretend for a minute, or, or any kind of punishment if you murder somebody. Maybe you don't do the capital punishment; you just put them in prison for the rest of life. Whatever. <coughs> that being punishable, like something like that, really bad. And I had a thought a long time ago. I said, I said, God, like how anyway, pray hard. I'm like, how would it be dealt with? Like, you don't want to condemn somebody to hell if they weren't saved, but you they do need to be punished, however, you know, for that's not good, you know. And I got to thinking, I said, you know, I think what it is, there's a place for the church, there's a place for the state. Like this person does need to be given the opportunity to repent. No God loves them mm -hmm. and all of this. And I go, but at the same time, if we didn't at least let the government that we, you know, support and help, you know, that's part of us take care of something like that, people are going to be running around rampants. And, and you want to put him where he can't, he can't hurt to. Exactly. You want to protect the people he's So a, I think it's like, you know, when someone did something like this, like, you know, law comes in, you know, that's, that's included and, having that kind of facility, but also praying about it. And God knows each person thinking that if they are having their heart cry out for help, that they want to change and that God, you know, send the right person to them. Maybe, maybe, maybe us, you know? I'm, you know, it's like a way of looking at it. go visit them in prison and put money in their canteen and go witness to them and yeah. keep loving them. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean if you want to see correction into <laughs> their lives, it doesn't yeah. mean you're not walking in love. And what if there's been examples of people who've been on death row and God came in and they yeah. released everything because God had a purpose yeah. for that and they were changed and 
yeah. everything. You just don't. It's true. You don't know what somebody's thinking, and it does not ever justify the sin at all. I know what God showed me was go there over abortion. They used to bug me up and down this hallway. I mean, I'd be like, why? Why do people think it's right? Uh, you know, I'd go crazy over it. And then I'd have friends. Like I said, I started to have, I think when I started opening my heart to friends who had the ideals, I was like, they wouldn't murder anybody. God, like, why do they think that way? And then God showed me, it's like, they think they call the shots. They think they're God. They think they can determine. They don't see it as murder. It is. It totally is. It's totally wrong. But their conscience is not kicking in because they're like, well, it's just a fetus. Oh, you know, let's just let's let's just not be sad. Oh, it's inconvenient. Oh, you had a miscarriage. Oh my gosh, the baby dies. Like that's why they they think they. You know, Do you they, have other translations of that verse? Uh, let's see. I can because I was reading twelve twenty one. Yeah, she says twelve twenty one. So let me go back and um read it from. See if I can get a different translation. Let's see what other translation. Um, let's try the Passion Translation here. It says, never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. That's what that translation says. Um, amplified version here. Do not be overcome or conquered by evil, but overcome evil with good. Something happened. Recently. Can I tell you a story about that? Mm -hmm. Somehow, um, if you listen to God in the middle of something that's not really good, that He can change something in an instant. It was something that happened, and then very little of it, I heard. I heard God said, um, "Hug this person," and it was not good. And in the middle of it, it changed everything. By showing love in the middle of it, I mean it could have been I could have gone a different way, and and I was at first, but then at the middle of it because it was it all of a sudden he just showed me because uh, overcome what the evil that's going on right now with love and it went it's like it put out a fire and it changed everything in well, an instant. Isn't it like a parent? Your child does something wrong because you love them. You discipline. Mm -hmm. Sometimes God disciplines. Sometimes society has to discipline what you were saying. So I don't see that as that you have to... In, to me, overcoming evil is not letting hatred come into my heart toward that person. Mm -hmm. You hate the deed that they did, mm -hmm. but I can right. still pour out love to that person yeah. without condoning or ignoring what they did or not championing society saying, let your consequences... You know, go forth. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, the, the, the dynamic, excuse me, the thing, situation that y'all painted to me was if he was sitting right there. So that, that, and and the moment we said it, like, oh, he needs to be. And so, yeah, if he was sitting here, you know, what would be our response? And well, the says, difference is if he says, I am fighting. I have molested children, or I am a pedophile. Haven't done it for a few weeks, but that's let's change. That's, let's change all that and have him sitting there and say, 
I've molested all your children. Now where are we at? Well, no, my, I mean, how would you respond then? My point is, if he's... He molested somebody else's children, that's one thing. How about it's yours? How, how would you respond? All right, now, can I read that? Let's go to... um. Yeah. But you know what we think? Because I've been... I had a description in my notes. Let's go to um first. Let's go to um that's the book of James. Book of James, chapter one, verse 20. I'm gonna read it from I like it from the New Living Translation because we talking about and what I'm what Gene's talking about, okay. And he makes it I, I agree with him, okay. If it happened to yours, hmm. But listen to the scripture, and I'm and I'm saying it says here, uh, um, first chapter, and verse twenty. Let me wait till Gene get there. I'm losing James. No, you just yeah, you just right there, yeah. Two pages. Yeah, and let's go to verse twenty. Chapter one. Mm-hmm. Chapter one. All right. Then it says here, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. No doubt. No doubt. Okay. Now he just expressed, hey, if I heard that it was mine, well, he had to tell me he was angry. I can see him going off. And I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't go off. It's, but it says here, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Can we be angry at the sin without yeah. being angry? Now we can't do that. I say, not uh, that guy right there. <clears throat> needs to be put away Six where you can't hurt any other <clears throat> children. Then you can love him. Then you can go by and visit. And do you, know, you know, you know what bothers me, and that's not a secret. I don't care saying it. But the guy who molested me when I was younger, he's never been, you <clears throat> know, to process, prosecuted for anything. He, it was always speculation. Of the other kids he did too. He mm -hmm. is a walking non. Far out of I know he's not considered a sex offender. He is a manager at a Sonic. I will say. Not any down here in Newport News. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all don't have to worry about that. But <laughs> somewhere else. And I go, and I go, it's, it really gets to me. Is I go, it's not just for me personally, the justice, but I go, he's had girlfriends. I know some of them had kids. And I, I absolutely, sadly want to say, I know he has did probably things since. Because he's oh, yeah. really Cause disgusting. He's, he's had sexual harassment charges. He's been fired from jobs. And I go, the thing is, I go, it's sad to him. Like, he needs... To not be on these streets. And I go, God, I want justice to come. And I try not to have my personal feelings involved. Like, mm -hmm. I hate him or something. Like, it's it's just, this is not good. This is hurting. Like, we talk about hurting others. Mm -hmm. I go, I pray for any kids he may have hurt since. Oh, yeah. Or grown adults like me that he hurt at the time. And I go, you know, it's like we said, it's it's loving somebody, but loving, you know, it's good for everybody, you know. <laughs> it ain't good, you know. All right, now I'm going to read this from the... King James Version. And then I'm going to read Andrew's commentary with how he explains it. Right, it says, and then from the King James Version, it says, For the wrath of God worketh not the righteousness of God. No, excuse me, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Now, here's how Andrew it says, The dictionary defines wrath as forceful, often vindictive anger. Okay, this is different from, and go back to Terry says, it's different from just anger. And I so think God that's what. God can get angry. Right. And so I was in reference to what you were saying. Hey, I can be angry at the sin. But it says, just, it's a which the Bible commands us to have. Okay. It says the primary difference between a godly anger and a, 
sinful wrath is selfishness. Okay, so that's the difference between a godly anger and this sinful wrath he's talking about. What's the difference? Selfishness. Self. I'm only thinking about me and how it affects me and how it hurts me. And it says wrath is to root, it's rooted in hurt, call, I mean, cause to self. It said that godly anger is to set, is, is the set of our entire being against evil. It is not motivated by selfishness and may be totally without any selfish design. So when you're talking about godly anger, it has nothing to do with self. It's just that, you know what, I'm mad at the injustice. This is wrong, as Terry was saying, the, the sin is wrong. Hey, you know what? This is not right. But when self is involved, then it becomes, then God is saying, I believe he said, okay, it's not going to achieve what I wanted to achieve because now you're in selfishness. Now you are in you know, you just basically acting out on your own. You're becoming natural. Right. Natural man. Right. I was watching the prison camp, World War II, and the Americans uh, came in and the Germans left and turned the prison camp over to the Americans. And uh, a lot of the American guys started killing the guards at the prison camp. And I don't mean giving them, trying them, I mean just murdering them. Mm -hmm. And then they were letting the prisoners murder and beat them to death. And I thought, if I was in there for three years, starving to death and being beaten and frozen and whatever else, what would the natural man? It's going to be hard not to let the natural man come out. Right. Okay. I mean, you can do it because the word says you can. Right. But that's, I hope I never have to go through that kind of situation. All right, so then, and continue with that. Let's look at um, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to read 8 through 10. Galatians chapter 6, 8, we're going to read 8 through 10. Mm -hmm. well, we start at 7. Let's do 7. Mm -hmm. Let's start at 7. And it's in, about, in the NLT says, don't be led, don't be misled. You can't mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So let's, let's not get tired of doing what is good. And just the right, at just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, Whenever we have an opportunity, we should do good to every everyone, especially those in the family of faith. 
So whatever, you know, you have to, I think we have to ask ourselves, what are we sowing to? Mm-hmm. And I think this is um good when it comes to difficult people. What are you sowing? Are you sowing to your flesh? Or are you sowing to the spirit? Because you're going, whatever you're sowing, you're going to reap. Oh, yeah. That's just a natural law. No, no doubt. It's a spiritual law. And so we have to be conscious of what we're sowing. Which, what are we sowing to? Because whatever you sowing to, that's what you're going to get back. And I love the part where now it says, so don't, so let's, let's not get tired of doing what is good. And I, interesting Paul says that because well, he must have known you can get tired. <laughs> he, must, he, has, has, he must have some, some experience about getting tired of doing what is good. Especially when you deal on difficult people because I'm, man, you've been married long enough. Oh. Yeah. You know, how is it being married to a difficult person? In some cases, you know, you get, it yeah. It requires a lot of grace. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are moments you might get, you know, you might get tired. Mm. No, but it says don't get tired of doing what's good. It said just the right time. And I've asked God, how long is it going to take? <laughs> But you know, God will take you around things. I mean, we were in Florida one time on vacation, and there was this guy that kept wanting to take my kid on his jet ski, and I just wouldn't do it. I had him checking my spirit. And my sister in law and brother in law came up and said, He's a nice guy, he works for the airlines. We know him, let him go on the jet ski with him. I said, Absolutely not, I'm not gonna do it. And uh, a couple years later, we found out he got busted for being a pedophile. Oh, Jesus. So the Lord just protected mm. our kid, you know? Jesus. Who we listen. Mm-hmm. And the Lord kept me from having to kill the guy. So, I mean, that was a double thing. All right, so we're going to con- conclude this. So it says here, as we conclude this study, I encourage you to be good to everyone. Stay focused on love. It says here, love God. Love yourself by receiving God's love. And love other people. Let love flow out of you like a river. Say, in addition, appreciate people who help you and tell you that you you tell them that you appreciate them. It says compliment people, encourage them, smile, be friendly, and be very generous. Be helpful, kind, forgiving. And difficult to offend. So, cause I think they got a sign out here that says, "I don't know why somebody might to, you know, tell people you gotta be, you gotta mm-hmm. be kind. You should have to put a sign up mm-hmm. to tell people to be kind. You know, except if you think of young people, what they've grown up with mm-hmm. from all the TV shows, from the music they listen to. There's nothing kind. Well, true. Foreign to them. Yeah. That's true. We forget how we've been brainwashed, <laughs> right? Hold on. Let me think. just uh, an aside to this when we talk about kindness, right? Is being nice and and being kind the same thing? Because I, I asked that question because when, when people hear that word nice now, it's almost like a curse word. 
You don't you, you're nice. You don't be nice. You're not a nice, you're not supposed to be a nice person. I'm like, what? That's not, you know, what I think they go the, hand in hand. The context yeah. was a whole lot different. Right. You know, 40, 50 years ago. Right. Being, but kindness and being nice, right? Like what what is why is this a negative thing? Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, from my I think in this culture, um, being nice means that you're going to be taken advantage of or walked all over. Yeah, you're a wimp. So I think that is their definition of being nice because if you're nice and you're a wimp, you're a pushover. So I don't want to be nice. I want to be confrontational. Um, I want to be feared. Don't mess with me, cause, cause I remember too when I first. I don't want to put my job up here, but y'all know what it is. Who I worked at. The girl told me the first thing she told me when I met her. She said, "I want you to know I'm crazy." And I was like, I just said okay. And I remember thinking, is that a good thing? Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. You know, but that, but that was that was. Yeah, right. And so it was, she embraced it. I'm crazy. So I want you to know that. I'm like, okay, thank you for telling me that. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I didn't stay away from you. But in my thing, I was like, that's, is that a good thing, this culture? But I mean, in this culture, it's, that's endorsed to be crazy, to be confrontational, to be, you know, abusive with your language, um, you know, just. You know, I mean, it's this. Once upon a time, you would hide that, and people would have to figure it out for themselves. She's crazy. You wouldn't broadcast it. And then somebody made a statement. I was listening to some other day, and, and let me tell you, see if y'all agree with this. But what he said, and he was talking about the church. And he said that the church is addicted to drama. Is what? Is addicted to drama. Oh. And I was like, I can't disagree with him on that, based on what I see. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. It's true. You know, I'm based like, on I'm this, this drama, I run from it. Yeah, so I'm saying, you know, right, we're supposed to be, you know, yeah. you know, putting out fires, mm-hmm. but it seemed like we've adapted that sign. You know, we, mm-hmm. we are addicted. We like drama. And so I'm like, I can't, I can't dispute what he said, because I see a lot of it, you know, not only in the world, but it's in the in the body, and um, I think we have to be careful with that. Um, but let me can finish that. It says, in order for us to to do things, to do these things, we just talked about about being kind. It said we need a lot of help from the Lord, so don't forget to lean on Him and ask for His grace frequently. There will be times when when we will fail. But we can ask for forgiveness and start afresh again. Remember, we talked about it said love never fails and love never gives up. So, you know, you're gonna we're gonna fail in this attempt to to love difficult people. But once again, we got God there to help us, and we can always depend on Him to, you know, to help us strengthen us in that area. Once again, we know we're forgiven. 
when we do mess up. Okay, thank you, social media. We will be back with you again next week. We have a new um, subject. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night. 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 Good night.